You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Well, the game concludes and the Flames take it. Five to two. Yeah, a little tired. I think we're tired and caught up this. Runs to the left, fires to the end zone. Touchdown, Rashad Bateman. His first of the year, and the Ravens extend their lead. Interested groups, whether in Vancouver or Montreal or any city for that matter, we're not ready to engage. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Friday. Sweet, sweet Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. It is Halford. It is no Bruff. It is no Dodd. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. I mentioned no Jason Bruff, still on vacation. No Jimmy Dodd. He's been let out of morning show prison. He's now back to his regular scheduled programming, but I'm not alone. I'm here in spirit and physically with the dogs. So good morning. Morning. And good morning to you as well, Laddie, Greg Ballack. Hello, hello. Uh, Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer. Today, we are in hour one of the program. Two minutes into it, two hours and 58 minutes left, boys. Uh, hour one of this program is brought to you by EverythingFinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at EverythingFinancial.com. I did mention that we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics is Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Okay, we have a ton to get into on the show today. Four guests. We have a Canucks game to recap, a very intriguing Thursday night football game to recap. Canada's men's national soccer team is back in action in a big tilt today, later this afternoon. Huge. And don't forget the Grey Cup this weekend as well. So there's a lot to get into. Our show begins, well, now, but it's 6.30. Brady Henderson is our first guest. He's going to join us at 6.30 from ESPN's NFL Nation. Your Seattle Seahawks are slim one-point favorites this weekend in Los Angeles to take on a Rams team that rolled them up in the opening weekend of the NFL season. Uh, We'll talk to Brady about all of that revenge game for Bobby Wagner. You'll remember he, of course, spent last year with Los Angeles. So Brady's going to join us at 6.30 to talk about the Seahawks and Rams game. 7 o'clock, dear friend of the program, Peter Galindo is going to join the show. Peter, of course, uh, formerly of Sportsnet, uh, a variety of different outlets. He does a little footy scouting. He does a little footy writing. Uh, he is going to be joining us at 7 o'clock ahead of a big game for Canada's men's national team taking on Jamaica in Kingston tonight, 4 o'clock kickoff. That is a Nations League quarterfinal. It's two legs. The second leg goes Tuesday in Toronto, so we'll talk to Peter about that. Lots of implications on the line for what a win against Jamaica would mean, including qualification for the Copa America. So we'll talk to Peter at 7 about that. At 7.30... It's the Moj. Bob the Moj Marjanovic is going to join us ahead of this weekend's Grey Cup. We'll also talk about the BC Lions. Matthew Betts last night was named the CFL's Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, We'll talk to Moj about what the offseason has in store for the Lions and do a Grey Cup preview as well. 8 o'clock. We're not done yet. Four guests today on the show. Uh, It's Rick Dollywall. 
a Friday staple here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We're going to talk to Dolly about the Canucks' loss last night in Calgary. We'll get an update on Andre Kuzmenko. We'll get an update on trade talks involving potentially Chris Tanev and or Nikita Zadorov. And we'll talk about the Elias Pettersson contract situation. Some updates there as well. So, big show, working in reverse. 8 o'clock, Rick Dollywall. 7.30, Bob the Moj Marjanovic. 7 o'clock, Peter Galindo. 6.30, it's Brady Henderson. It's also Ask Us Anything Friday. <clears throat> Excuse me, on the program. All you have to do, if you want to be on the radio, is text in to the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Give us a AUA. That's shorthand for Ask Us Anything. Stupid loud computer. You can quite literally ask us anything. It does not have to be about sports, but it can be. But me... A-Dog and Greg are going to try and answer as many as we can. We're putting the dogs on 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 alert today. Dogs ready to do it today? You guys both You're seem, making us do work today, is that what you're saying? Yeah, you're going to have to talk and contribute and answer questions. I, for one, think this is ridiculous. Yeah, I don't mean to make you guys do any more work, especially on a Friday. But we really have to come together as a group. We do. You know, we're tired, much like the Vancouver Canucks were tired last night. They were. We can't lose, though. We don't know how to lose on this show. We only win. True. I went to bed early last night. I'm not tired. I'm actually feeling pretty good. <laughs> I also missed the Canucks game, said Greg. Except for Laddie. He looks great. Uh, this is okay. the worst day of my life. <laughs> we have a big show ahead. Let's get to it. Without further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Elias Lindholm had a goal and two assists to help the Calgary Flames defeat your Vancouver Canucks 5-2 at the Scotiabank Saddledome on Thursday night. Jonathan Huberto. The oft-maligned Jonathan Huberto had a goal and an assist. Blake Coleman had a pair of assists. The Flames, don't look now, have now won two consecutive games that are 4-1-1 and in their last six. Jacob Markstrom, none too busy on the night, made 22 saves for the Flames. As for the Vancouver Canucks, a very tired and lethargic Vancouver Canucks team on the night. Uh, Elias Pettersson scored yet again. Nils Hoaglander scored as well. Casey DeSmith got the start. He was busy. Uh, he was fine. 34 saves for the Canucks, who had won 7 of 8 prior to last night, including, as many of you saw, the big 4-3 overtime win over the Islanders. There, on there was Wednesday the one night. stinker. Are you talking about the Mackenzie Weger goal? The one that he pooped out. Oh, he didn't look happy after the Weger goal. Mm. And I was kind of surprised because... While the shot was from distance, it still went cross ice on the pass, and he had to move left to right. Mm -hmm. But you could see in DeSmith's reaction, he was not pleased. I, I appreciate the goalie analysis anytime. I do love what you do, but I feel like the goalie was probably the least of the stories. And I, I said that to Andy when he came in, too. There, he was expecting a loss, and I said, yeah, it's kind of tough, a tough position to be a backup goaltender, go into a game like that, where you know your team is probably going to be dragging a little bit. If the Canucks were at full health, I still would have said that might have been a scheduled loss. Well, you know, one of those ones where you're looking at the calendar and you're saying, damn, going into Calgary, it's going to be our fifth game in eight nights. What's more, that's five different cities over that span that they played in, right? Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, Vancouver, Calgary. That's a lot of travel in a short period of time. At full health and full strength, I would have said it was a tough game. The Canucks 
are now dealing with injuries. Not a significant amount. The Carson Soucy injury is obviously a big one in terms of losing a guy on a thin blue line and losing him for a long period of time. You start to see the knock-on effect of another guy leaving the lineup and another guy leaving the lineup. So now we are uh, facing a team that did not and may not have the services of Andre Kuzmenko in the short term. Kuzmenko didn't travel with the team to Calgary uh, following the facial injury he suffered after taking a JT Miller shot to the chin in that aforementioned overtime win against the Islanders. Pius Suter also not not in the lineup right now. He's day-to-day with an undisclosed injury. So, you start talking about the cumulative effect. Very tired team. No Kuzmenko, who's a top-line guy. No Suter, who's been a real nice fit with Garland and Joshua. No Susie on the back end. What do you get? Well, Jules, you, get, <laughs> yeah. you get extended looks at Juleson and Friedman. You also get the regular season debut for Carlson in in the lineup. And that's something that, you know, I don't think a lot of people were necessarily expecting to have a chance right at the very end though. That was kind of funny, but to have Linus Carlson called up hours before puck drop in Calgary, then not ideal, then inserted directly into the lineup to play. I think it was just under 13 minutes, had three shots on net seemed fine. It's not a, it's not a great situation. Uh, for the record, in terms of paper transactions, Hirose had to go back down to Abbotsford in order for Carlson to get called up. So put it all together here, listeners. And what are you looking at? You're looking against a team that was incredibly tired, that has been beaten up a little bit on the injury front, that had its regular lineup thinned out to a certain degree. I will not, I repeat, will not spend a ton of time uh, dissecting this game. I think that if you go 12-3-1, and over your first, what's that? What's the math on that? 16 games of the regular season. You are afforded a lot of grace from yours truly when it comes to a flat performance and a bit of a mulligan in Calgary. Now, the my opinion does not matter about holding people to account. What really matters is Rick Tockett. I want to play two clips here, Laddie. The first is Tockett acknowledging, and I think rightly so, that travel and the schedule caught up to his troops. Tockett didn't stop there, though. And full marks to him for keeping the bar high and keeping the standard high. He did have to, he did say that there are ways that you can mitigate fatigue and being tired, and that you have to learn how to play in those scenarios. Let's play first. Here's Rick Tockett on travel and the schedule catching up to his team. Yeah, just it catches up. I mean, every, all teams go through it. There's a part of the schedule. I think it, the time zones and stuff have caught up. Um, but like I said, I thought, you know, if we just could have hung around there when it was two to one and just kind of wait it out, um, you know, then you just a couple of big mistakes and that's in there now. Now, I mentioned that talk it, and it's funny because we chopped up a very brief post-game media availability. What was the grand total of it? Two minutes? Not even. A minute yeah. 25, I think it was. It, And I only mentioned that because I think it's symbolic of the night. Like, there wasn't a lot to say about that game, which is not good for a sports talk radio program where everyone's tuning in to hear about their favorite hockey team, but... There's sometimes there's not a lot of meat to pick off the bone. That was the case last night. If you were to ask anyone what happened, you'd say Canucks didn't play well. They got beat pretty soundly after a decent first period by Calgary. They didn't have much in the second and the third. They didn't have their legs. That's fair. Quinn Hughes looked tired. That's fair. He played nearly 30 minutes the night before. Now, the interesting thing is that Tockett, given his lengthy NHL career and his vast experience behind the bench, knows a thing or two about how the league works and how it operates. And part of it is 
ain't nobody feeling sorry for you when you're tired because all 32 teams have to travel. All 32 teams have a bunch of back-to-backs where they got to go from one city to the next. Good teams are able to scratch out results from them. Did the Canucks do that this time? No. Does that mean they're a bad team? Absolutely not. It's just another part in the maturation and learning of the squad. Here is what Rick Tockett had to say about the Canucks having to learn how to play tired in these situations. Yeah, a little tired. I think we're tired. It caught up to us. But, you know, like, you, you know, said about the game, you know, so they didn't quit. You know, I got no problem. Um, but you got to learn how to play tired. You know, you got to play manage the puck a little bit more. That we, you know, sometimes you got to play tired, better angles, protect the middle, live for other shifts. Can't hit a home run every shift. And I think that's our, our downfall tonight. Uh, ask us anything early one. From the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. It's also unsigned, so that means it's from Gary. Ask us anything. What do you think was a bigger factor yesterday? Fatigue or injuries? Uh, good question. I think it's, a, if you were to do like a straw poll on this one, I think it would be very, very close. But I do think at the end of the day, fatigue was the more predominant factor. They just looked tired. They looked leggy to use a footballing term, and we'll talk to Peter Galindo in the 7 o'clock hour about uh, international football. But it just looked like they didn't Clones. have much in the tank at all. Uh, I saw some texts come in, and I heard the post-game show speaking about Quinn Hughes maybe not necessarily having his greatest night and turning the puck over a little too often for people's liking. You cannot hold Quinn Hughes personally accountable for anything other than being tired last night. With the style of play that he has and with the amount that he is forced to play and that his head coach deploys him on a regular basis, eventually you're going to get a night where all the things that Hughes does and so often those things go right. They will go wrong from time to time. And part of that probably has to do with the fact that he played close to 30 minutes the night before, including shifts in overtime, including the very infamous one in which he got in behind the Islanders defense and scored a game winning goal. The injuries though, and you guys jump in at any moment here. Um, it does concern me a little bit because the general, sorry, the president of hockey ops, of this team, Jim Rutherford prior to the season said, this is a playoff team. If everything goes right for us, I think baked into that line or that quote, which he didn't say out loud was will be a, a real interesting team to watch. If injuries hit in a significant way, because this team does not have depth either in the reserves or organizationally in the American Hockey League to withstand a great number of injuries. Now, I know what everyone's going to say. Well, any team in the NHL that suffers a lot of injuries is going to struggle. Yes, but there are certain teams that are built to withstand things better than others. Everyone understands what I'm talking about, well, it's, right? It's the way they've been forced to cut corners, I think, this year with the budget constraints that they have, right? You just you got to punt on the depth because you need to focus on the lineup that you have like Jim Rutherford said, on, on the perfect night, and if everything goes well, that's the roster that gets them into the playoffs. So you can't spend any extra money on depth, and this is sort of the end result of that. They've actually done a nice job in free agency, especially this year, of filling out bottom six roles, but mm -hmm. that was getting above replacement players and not necessarily finding like, well, this is a guy that if we suffer an injury in our top six or our top four, he's going to jump up. No, this was solidifying the bottom six. People bottom in your lineup player. every day. And you're seeing it in here. Here's how the injury thing plays out for a team like the Canucks. It's not necessarily the guys that have to jump into the lineup. Like I know everyone's ready to criticize Noah Juleson or say that Mark Friedman ain't it. And that's fine. But the idea here is 
when injuries strike, the guys that get affected the most aren't the guys that go from out of the lineup to into the lineup. It's the guys that are already in your lineup that are forced to shoulder a much bigger role, that are forced to now start contributing on special teams or are asked to do more than what they've been asked to do already this season. Like, Linus Carlson should not be making or breaking your team. He should be a plug-and-play guy, and you should be able to withstand him being a fourth-line winger. Well, Friedman and like a guy like Myers have both looked fine in limited minutes, but as soon as, as you said, you start to give them more responsibility, they start to play more than 15 minutes a night, it becomes problematic. And, I mean, I, I've actually liked Friedman's game for most of this year, and Myers has looked a lot better as well most of the time. Right. But that's because they've been sheltered in those limited roles. So as soon as you take Susie out of the lineup, I mean, Juleson just isn't an NHL defenseman, and it no. shows. Like he, he, I mean, as, if he plays, like, very limited minutes and Quinn Hughes carries him, maybe you don't notice it as, as much, like the game prior. But, like, last night, yeah, I mean, he's just – he looks outworked. And uh, it's, it's a big problem for the Canucks. they got to do something quickly. Because, I mean, they can't just wait for Ethan Bear to come, you know, crawling to the rescue, which might not be until the new year. So, I mean, like, they got to do something somehow. Okay, well, let's pivot to the 32 Thoughts podcast. We have hot audio in that this hasn't even been released to the general public yet. But we got to go ahead to play some of what's coming up later this morning. Uh, we've got... We got it first. We got, we got the hot audio here from Frege. And he has two Canucks-related updates. The first, since we were just talking about the potential addition on the blue line, Frege talking about a potential acquisition by the Vancouver Canucks of Chris Tanev or Nikita Zadorov. Dare I say Chris Tanev and Nikita Zadorov. We've got a lot of takeaways here. Uh, does Calgary want to trade with Vancouver? Could the Canucks just wait until unrestricted free agency to circle back on these guys? And I think most importantly, are Tanev and Zadorov interested in coming to Vancouver? Here now, Elliot Friedman, audio that you can't even get publicly yet from the 32 Thoughts podcast. It'll be out later today, so make sure to download it. But for now, Frege on an update on Tanev, Zadorov, and the Canucks. Now, I don't think Calgary wants to trade with Vancouver. My opinion on this is if they give you the best deal and you should try to squeeze as much juice out of them as you can, that's your job, then you should look towards that deal. But I think Vancouver knows that if they don't make the trade now, they can always circle back on these players in the summer. Like I think Tanev, all things being equal, would be very interested in Vancouver, and I think the same for Zadorov. So Vancouver knows if it's not now, they can wait. But they're having a really good year, and you know it's it, maybe you want to strike when the iron's hot. Uh, I'm. He's an know, iron guy, hey? Iron. Instead of iron? Um, yes, thank you. I, iron <laughs> butterfly. I'll be curious to see how slow played this becomes because if I'm looking at the Calgary situation right now, it seems like time is the only thing that's on their side. I, they can basically wait and wait and wait and see how this season plays out and if they can work their way back into playoff contention. And then just play it closer and closer to the deadline and flip both guys' rentals. Now, the confusing part and the tricky part is if you play your way into playoff contention and you're on your way to the postseason, how on earth are you going to trade one and or both of your better defensemen going in? You could do it 
it would be a real difficult proposition for fans and the guys in the room. But if you're Craig Conroy, the general manager, and you're saying, I don't want to let assets walk for free. If you decide to take this down to the wire and try and drive up prices for both, you do run the possibility of having a real tough situation on your hands. As for the Canuck side of things, I would not be surprised if they wait until July 1 for this. That's what I was thinking, too. If both guys uh, have an expressed interest in the market, and the Zadorov one is even further, I don't want to say complicated, but made more intriguing by the fact that his agent has such close ties to the organization, maybe you just sit and wait. Maybe you paper a deal and you have it in a drawer ready for the middle of the summer or even earlier where you just bring these guys aboard in a cleaner, much more straightforward way in free agency. That being said, we will see how long the Canucks can continue to go along with this patchwork defense if the idea is to add bear and then just keep your fingers crossed that no one's going to get hurt. That's a big risk. We've already seen that with a guy like Susie, you see right away, even with a guy that's only playing 18 minutes a night, how a regular solid contributor and his absence can fill a hole or can create a hole in the lineup. Okay, the other thing that Fridge was talking about yesterday, the Elias Pettersson contract situation. A lot of good takeaways here. There is an allusion to the deal that Owen Power signed in Buffalo that might pertain to the uh, Elias Pettersson contract negotiations. The key age of 29, the Austin Matthews deal. There's a reference to the Pierre-Luc Dubois deal as well, so there's lots to chew on here. At the end, though, there's one key quote, and Fried says that barring a major swerve, this deal is going to get done. So there's some intriguing optimism from Fried. Here he is now with an Elias Pettersson contract update from the 32 Thoughts podcast. I think there's just a lot of places that this could go right now. And one of the places I, I think it can go is term. And he's represented by CAA. And earlier this year, they had a negotiation with Owen Power. And one of the reasons the Owen Power negotiation got done was because the Buffalo Sabres were willing to take seven years instead of eight, which allowed Power to become an unrestricted free agent at the age of 29. If Pedersen signs a four-year deal, he will become a UFA again right before he turns 29. And I always, now that I know that his agents think that's important. I make a note of it because the surest predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Do I think that Pedersen could sign an eight-year deal? Yeah, I, I think he could. But I also think it's possible that they look at it and say, why don't you do the Matthews, sign four years at a big number, and then we can do this again so you get another big one while you're still in your prime. So I think that is a possibility. Now, the other thing here is, initially, I believe that the Canucks and Patterson were willing to wait until they knew for sure that the cap was going up into the 87, 88 range, just so that everybody knew exactly what the number was going to be. Like, for example, with Pierre-Luc Dubois, when he was traded from Minnesota to L.A., they waited until the last possible second to get that deal done to see if there was going to be any flexibility on the cap this year. And when they knew there wasn't, they made the deal. So, I again, I, I think part of this is, should we wait until the cap number gets done before we officially sign the deal? 
I, I think there was talk about that, but I also think there's been, eh, we kind of know where it is. Let's just do it and get it done so we have something to celebrate here. So I think there are some differing possibilities, but at the end of the day, I think the way the Canucks have started the season, they've made it very clear, and I think Pedersen's made it very clear, we want this to happen. So barring a major swerve, it's going to get done. The questions are term and when, but we're going there. Wow, house of optimism. House of positivity. Bruff goes away and we get all this optimism. That's going to be great. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. On a Friday. What better way to kick off Friday? Happy Friday, everybody. Sweet, sweet Friday. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. That music means Rick Dollywell is coming up in just a minute here. Uh, this hour of Halford and Bruff is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. You didn't say dosh. Good job. I think I said expertise. I don't even know what I said. You know what? We're in the final hour of the week. I'm flying solo. I'm doing my best out here. Halford and Bruff in the morning. The entirety of this program, not just hour three, all of it, brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari accurate dealer today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. You know what time it is, right? It's time now for the man, the myth, the legend, Rick Dollywall from Donnie and Dolly on Check TV. Now here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Rick? Let me get this straight. You work for a billion-dollar corporation, and they can't find you a co-host? You know what? I will give my billion-dollar employer uh, a pass on this one because I was working with Jamie Dodd uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week. I said, you know what, Jamie? Fridays are usually pretty easy shows. We get a lot of guests. Rick comes on and steals the show. Why don't you just not work the Friday and I'll do it solo? So that was more about me being a selfless individual, Rick, than anything else. uh, You could ask me and Donnie to come in this morning. That would have been good. you know, but you're you're on right now. That's the important thing. Is it's Fridays. It's Rick Dollywall time. You, you could have got Drance. He loves Darius' voice. If he had his way, he'd do all the shows by himself. Yeah, Drance was floated as an option. I'm like, you know what? We're good. Um, okay, so Flames game last night, five two loss in Calgary for the Vancouver Canucks. I wrote that uh, they looked tired. They seemed tired. They played tired, and then afterwards, Rick Tocca confirmed it. They were tired. Is this just a case of the schedule catching up to the Canucks? Sure it is. Uh, the, the travel and the hectic schedule caught up to them. Back-to-back games, you come home, and then you got to go away the next night. They look tired, especially in that second period. Eastern road trip, you come home, next night on the road, no surprise they look sluggish. Five games in eight days, five different cities. It's the second back-to-back in five days. But I'll tell you, Halford, uh, the, the stamina is uh, huge. 
in a busy schedule. This is where fitness levels come into play and the importance of the coach preaching to the players to have a big offseason in training. Injuries are adding up. Yes. Okay, so look who was out last night. Susie, Suter, and Kuzmenko. You add it all up and you had a game where they were outplayed by the Flames. And no excuses, though. I mean, this is every team goes uh, through these travel, uh, the hectic schedules. Every single team goes through it. There's no excuses. But you could see um, they look like a very tired hockey club starting in that second period last night. That the legs just were not there, and, and you know to get within two goals in the third, uh, the Hoaglander goal was great. But then you, they just ran out of gas. They had that power play, and then they got taken off the power play by Garland, and uh, that was with about five six minutes left. But anyways, uh, yeah, you can say uh, travel hectic schedule, but uh, if you know Rick Tockett, like the way, the way we are starting to know him. Uh, no excuses with this guy at all. Yeah, well, I mean, Tockett said it. We played the clip from the post game. Yeah. Where he said, hey, look, we yeah. got to learn how to play tired. There's things you That's can right. do in this yeah. league. But I think part of you know doing those things would be aided if he had a full lineup. And you alluded to the injuries. You know, for a team that didn't have a ton of depth, going into a game without Kuzmenko, Suter, and Susie, it's a big deal, right? And uh, why didn't Kuzmenko travel with the team to Calgary? I know he took the shot in the chin area uh, from JT on a JT Miller shot in the third period. But what was the reasoning behind not having him travel to Calgary? Was it just a all right? He so he gets hit in the face. A very scary uh, JT Miller shot. Thirteen minutes left in the third against the Islanders. Uh, by the way, he's okay. Nothing broken. When the Canucks flew to Calgary right after the Islanders game on Thursday, Kuzmenko went straight to the hospital for a checkup. Um, the reason he didn't go, obviously, is uh, precautionary. Why risk anything? But another reason why Kuzmenko did not fly last uh, uh, fly that night with the Canucks was the fact yesterday it made no sense to travel by commercial flight on game day. If you have two days to get to a city, commercial flights are okay, but game day is tough. That is another factor that uh, was a part of the decision. And his agent, Dan Milstein, uh, Mike tells me um, he's 100% healthy, no issues, no broken bones. So, you know, I, I, we, we, I think every, even talk had alluded last night post-game, he should be ready for Seattle. But he did go to the hospital after the game, and, um, you know, I don't think uh, they wanted to travel uh, by commercial flight on game day. I think that was another issue as well. Uh, I'll throw you on the spot here with the Carlson call up. Uh, Linus Carlson gets the promotion to play his first game of the year for the Vancouver Canucks. I don't know if you've got any intel or insight on this one, but were you surprised that it was Carlson that got the nod over some other guys? No, no. This, uh, this, 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 management group has, has said they're not rushing any of the young guys right. and you know what they're just not going to do it you know and this guy look, look, look at Linus Carlson and the way the Canucks got him um, and the other thing is um, they got a multitude of wingers I mean you, you've got Garland to move up in the top six you've got uh, Bouvillier to move up in the top six they have a multitude of wingers they got a ton of wingers that's the wingers is not the issue I am not surprised Linus Carlson got it I know everyone's thinking our steep Baines but here's the thing with Baines. You bring him up, you play him six, seven, eight minutes last night. What, what do you prove? Let him go, you know, like I told you guys last week, they are going to let the young kids cook in Abbotsford. And they got to be brought up for the right reasons. They got to be brought up when they're ready. They got to be brought up when uh, they're playing well without the puck, not just with the puck. Yes, you can go and say Baines has got 17 points in 13 games, but I don't think it's just points that are going to be the call up. And, and you know what? Linus Carlson last year, remember when. Uh, the Canucks had 10 injuries and uh, 
and everyone was getting called up. He never got called up last year. I think that's a guy that they really wanted to take a look at because he's in the final year of his contract. They got to, you know, they also got to project, is he going to be a player? Is he going to not be a player? So in different circumstances, he's older than Baines. He's in his contract year. They want to take a look at him at the NHL level as well. So I'm not surprised it was uh, him. And plus, it was his birthday yesterday, Alford. Uh, you know, nice right. little, uh, you know, nice, a nice little uh, birthday gift for him uh, to get called up. The Canucks have been watching him for years uh, in Sweden, and they signed him and they brought him over. And he's been diligently working hard in Abbotsford. He doesn't complain or bitch or whine. Uh, he went down to Abbotsford and uh, he did his job down there, and he got the call up. Uh, we're speaking to Rick Dollywall from the Donnie and Dolly Show on Check TV here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Okay, let's get into the juicy stuff out of Calgary, non-on-ice division. What's the latest you're hearing about the rumored interest from Vancouver and Chris Tanev and Nikita Zadorov? Yeah, okay, so we, we I always say things can change, but right now everyone I'm talking to agrees. It is going to be very, very difficult, tough to do for the Canucks to acquire Tanev or Zeradov. I mean, I'm talking to people that are in the, in the know, and everyone seems to think, uh, look, the price is high and the Flames don't want to deal those players in their division. Vancouver loves both those players, but I don't see them making a bad deal, like overpaying to get one of them, and the Canucks can get them on July 1st if they re really, really, really want them. The interest in Tanov is very high right now around the league. He does have a no trade. Vancouver's obviously not on it. We all know that, that the Canucks like Tanov, and we know that Tanov likes Vancouver. He never wanted to leave. I, I, I've said this a million times. I'll say it again. He didn't want to leave, but they never made him an offer after 10 years of service. Uh, Tanov's in a good spot. Veteran right shot D, very respected in the NHL. The only thing I want to say is if you think you're getting Tanov on July 1st for $2 million or $1 million on a cheap deal, not happening. Forget about it. Tanov's going to get a deal to similar to what he has right now, three years, and I think over $4 million. I think Tanov's in a great spot. Uh, right shot D, uh, great team player, character guy, first pass is great, hockey sense is great. You know, um, when, when, when Daryl Sutter was let go, uh, in Calgary. Sutter was a big fan of Tanev's too. Every coach he's ever had is a big fan of his. He, he Tanev wasn't one of the guys that complained about Sutter, you know, because, you know, it, it, Sutter, Tanev is, and we all know that Quinn Hughes loves him, and we all know that Tanev uh, loves Quinn Hughes. Yesterday in a Calgary newspaper, Tanev said about Quinn Hughes, he says, right now, this is a quote from Tanev. He said, I think Hughes is the best player in the NHL. So there's a lot of mutual respect there. Uh, Zadorov? Oh, they they love him, but uh, the uh, same boat as Tanev. Yeah. They, they don't want to, they don't want to deal him in the division, Mike. And and uh, things can change, but it, it, everywhere I go and everywhere I, I ask you says uh, so. Sorry, says the same thing. They just don't want to deal him in the division, Vancouver or Edmonton. And but you know, it's funny the, the people I talk to. Some of them are a little bit frustrated with that as well because the Canucks can get either player, Mike, on July first. Right. Right. Right, you know, if they really, 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 really want them, but uh, Zadorov is in the same boat as Tanev. Uh, we'll see what happens, uh, you know. But I think their preference is to trade both guys to the East. East. 
Speaking of the Calgary side of this and the Craig Conroy side of this, there's multiple reports reports out there that he's like the most popular GM in hockey right now. Everyone's calling because they know he's got all these guys to deal with. Are you getting a sense of what exactly they want to do or what they're going to do? Because if they're going to try and be a playoff team this year, then obviously having Tanev and Zadorov there for the the long haul and long haul, I mean, the, the, the end of the regular season is the play. They could be patient and wait this out, but the closer they get to the deadline, you kind of become, well, are you in or are you out? Are you a playoff team or are you not? If you are a playoff team, then it makes sense to keep these guys and then just say, well, they're going to walk. But Conroy said, I don't want to do that. What sense are you getting from where Calgary is at well, with this whole situation? Let, let's go back to Vancouver. When, when Markstrom, Tanev, Foley, right. uh, Stetcher, all these guys were UFAs. What happened, Mike? Uh, they, they got into the playoffs because of COVID, but you know, at that time, they weren't close with any of them signing them. But the difference in Calgary is they've already tried to sign uh, Hannafin. They were close, and then Hannafin backed out. They have made a contract offer to uh, Tanev. He, uh, he has said no. So it, they, they are trying to re-sign some of these guys, but a couple of them uh, have said no. Hannafin and Tanev have said no to their offers. They were close with Hannafin, and then he backed, uh, he backed off. So it, it's a wait. Uh, I, uh, the, the feeling is out there that the Flames are getting a ton of calls on these all these UFAs, which is expected, and some teams want to get ahead of the trade deadline. Um, you know, when I look at Jim Rutherford in Carolina in 206, six weeks before he made the trade for Doug Waite, which was a massive trade, right? So some teams want to get ahead of the plan. And, and and do their dealings now, but uh, you you can bet his phone's ringing off the hook, Mike, big time, big time. Uh, Rick, what's the latest you're hearing about the Elias Pettersson contract and extension? Again, another one we played audio from Frege and the 32 Thoughts podcast this morning. Uh, he had a few more interesting things, perhaps about it being a four-year deal, not an eight-year deal. Maybe age 29 is that magical date that guys, not just Pettersson, but a lot of guys, Austin Matthews deal in Toronto, they want to get to so they can have another crack at a free agent contract. What are you hearing about the PD deal? Well, I think the greatest news this week uh, has been the fact that uh, the Canucks uh, and Patterson continue to talk and about a new deal. The two sides, by the way, never stop talking, Mike, despite Patterson saying in the summer, I want to wait. Uh, Rutherford and Alvin have kept the lines of communication open with uh, Pat Brisson and J.P. Barry. Patterson never once said he didn't want to resign in Vancouver. He needed time to figure things out, like long-term or short-term. So I said a couple of days ago, a shorter-term deal is definitely on the menu. I heard this uh, about three or four days ago, possibly a three-year deal. It could be four years, lower the term, obviously lower the money. The, the more years you give, you're going to have to give out more money. A new deal is not happening anytime soon. This is going to take time. Time. The fact they're talking is absolutely huge and positive. One person in the know said it's in the early stages, a lot of work to do. Whether it's long-term or short-term, the key is this looks like it's going to happen and have a happy ending. They're talking, and that's the key. And the fact that Pedersen, uh, you know, has given the okay for his agents to keep talking and talking and talking, that's a massive positive because, look, guys, we just went through a high-profile contract with Bo Horvath that didn't end well last year. Horvat took you, you, Mike, you heard the shots that uh, Horvat took yep. at Vancouver management this past week. Clearly, that tells me Horvat expected to stay in Vancouver and wanted the extension, but the team signed J.T. Miller instead. So if the Canucks can get ahead of the curve and sign Patterson, it's in the best interest of any everyone involved. But I think the fact 
we're hearing stuff like short term, we're hearing stuff they're, they're still talking. That is very positive because the biggest fear when he said, I want to wait, you, you, you remember the fear mongering. A lot of it was, you know, on all the shows. Oh my God, he's gone. Oh my God, he's gone. Well, he's not, mm-hmm. you know, and he never ever once told his agents, I don't want to resign in Vancouver ever. Not once. It's just a process, uh, uh, signing with a lot of ups and downs and, and the fact they're talking is a massive key. Yeah, the uh, the Fridge clip, I believe he said, like, barring something crazy happening, this deal yeah, is going to get done. So we can start looking at, God, and they're going to be really, really, really interesting and really complex, the numbers on this thing. You know, I heard Fridge threw out, well, maybe you'll do the Matthews deal, which, for the record, the last two Matthews deals, he's in the last year of the five-year $58 million deal. That's got an $11.6 million cap hit. Yeah. His next deal, Austin Matthews I'm talking about here, is going to be a four-year $53 million deal. With a thirteen point two five million dollar cap hit, I don't know if they're going to exactly hit those figures, but are those the type of numbers no. that we're thinking about if Pedersen goes four or five years? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Pet, look, look at Matthews, two hundred goals in the last four years. You know, Pedersen just doesn't have the fifty goal season, okay. right? But he's still looking, Mike. If you go three years, you know it's going to be high elevens. If you go four years, it's going to be over twelve. Five years will get you really decent. Uh, you know, in the twelves, maybe high twelves. Those are all just projections you think about, but shorter the term the less the money. And I think everybody knows that. But Matthews, boy, to get to his numbers, uh, you have to put in multiple 50. The best way to help your agent out in hockey is score goals. And Matthews' agent had a lot of ammunition, 200 goals in the past four. That guy just scores 50 goals every year, and that's why he's in that neighborhood. But I think with uh, Pedersen, I look, it, 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 if you go three or four years, you know it's going to be, uh, the number is going to be around 12 or a little bit higher than 12. So it, it, whatever it is, you know, it's uh, the fact that the Canucks are talking with this guy and possibly locking him up is a massive positive story uh, for not only for the, the franchise, for the, the fan base as well. You don't want to lose uh, two high-profile guys like Horvat and Pedersen, you know, back-to-back. Uh, that's, that's pretty damaging. So it, it, it's uh, everything I've been told. Uh, very positive, uh, very positive in the sense that they're talking and they want both sides want to get it done. Rick, you're the best, buddy. Thanks for doing hey, this today. Hold, hold, hold on, I want to get this in. Uh, you know, with Susie out six to eight weeks, yep. I, a lot of people ask me if the Canucks would have interest in UFA uh, defenseman Alexander Adler. As of now, I was told. Uh, lots of respect for the player, but not on the radar. He's 37. He hasn't played since the uh, first round of the playoffs last year. I think there were foot speed issues in that Edmonton series as well. Um, I, I'm just seeing a lot of respect for the player, but as of right now, I'm, I'm told they're not on the radar. Just look for the Canucks to continue to try and add a defenseman uh, through that trade market. Good update, Rick. You're the best. Thanks for doing this today, man. Okay, buddy. Bye. Bye. Uh, Rick Dollywall, Canucks reporter. As our television Chiron. Is it Chiron or Chiron? Thanks, Chiron. You notice how you just didn't really yell very much with Bruff not here? Yeah, I know. I've learned not to poke the dolly as it was. <laughs> I just, we just roll with it. And he gave us a great, I didn't even know that that was coming at the end there. I didn't realize that people uh, were suggesting Alex Adler. I guess I should have because any old Canuck is a new Canuck uh, with some of the parts of this fan base. But good on Dolly for giving us an update there. I heard Sammy Sallow also thinking about returning. Yeah. Still got that big shot. <laughs> 
You also said that the you you, there's no room for Salah now because Philip Horonic has the big shot. You, right? you mentioned the Pedersen clip from Freeman saying, "Barring disaster, that deal is going to get done." He said, "Barring a major swerve." That's what the phrase major was. swerve. You know what? Is what for the avoiding. purpose of our live listening audience, including my dear friends who are stuck in their car in Langley, who texted in, um, let's reset what. Fridge, you know, we got exclusive audio here because we got this prior to the 32 Thoughts podcast coming out. So we aired it right away. We aired it at 630 this morning. But for the live listening audience that hasn't heard it yet, Fridge and Merrick had some updates on the Vancouver Canucks. I'll shelf the Tanev and Zadorov thing for a minute because the PD clip is the one that's getting the most traction. I'll just set it up. Here is Fridge's update on where things are at between the Vancouver Canucks and pending RFA forward Elias Pettersson. I think there's just a lot of places that this could go right now. And one of the places I I think it can go is term. And he's represented by CAA. And earlier this year, they had a negotiation with Owen Power. And one of the reasons the Owen Power negotiation got done was because the Buffalo Sabres were willing to take seven years instead of eight which allowed Power to become an unrestricted free agent at the age of 29. If Pedersen signs a four-year deal, he will become a UFA again right before he turns 29. And I always, now that I know that his agents think that's important, I make a note of it because the surest predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Do I think that Pedersen could sign an eight-year deal? Yeah, I, I think he could. But I also think it's possible that they look at it and say, why don't you do the Matthews, sign four years at a big number, and then we can do this again so you get another big one while you're still in your prime. So I think that is a possibility. Now, the other thing here is, initially, I believe that the Canucks and Patterson were willing to wait until they knew for sure that the cap was going up into the 87, 88 range, just so that everybody knew exactly what the number was going to be. Like, for example, with Pierre-Luc Dubois, when he was traded from Minnesota to L.A., they waited until the last possible second to get that deal done to see if there was going to be any flexibility on the cap this year. And when they knew there wasn't, they made the deal. So, I again, I, I, I think part of this is, should we wait until the cap number gets done before we officially sign the deal? I, I think there was talk about that. But I also think there's been, eh, we kind of know where it is. Let's just do it and get it done so we have something to celebrate here. So I think there are some differing possibilities. But at the end of the day, I think the way the Canucks have started the season, they've made it very clear. And I think Patterson's made it very clear. We want this to happen. So barring a major swerve, it's going to get done. The questions are term and when. But we're going there. So a lot of takeaways from the clip. The the first, and it started right away, the Owen Power extension in Buffalo. A lot of you might be saying, what is he bringing that up for? There's no comp there whatsoever. It is a dramatically different scenario. Uh, Power signed an eight-year extension out of his ELC, whereas Pedersen, you know, quite famously had the bridge deal out of his before getting to his sort of second round of negotiations. Power's deal... 
he jumps from making the rookie max, which is nine hundred and twenty-five thousand, to eight point three five million. Pedersen's going to get more than that on AAV because he's further along in his career, he's further established. So the power thing, really, it just becomes about the age in which you're able to hit unrestricted free agency. Twenty-nine is you can see where they're going with this, right? Well, you're not quite thirty. <laughs> How close can you get to 30 without being 30 so that you can hit the open market and still be a desirable asset for some team? Sounds like 29 is it. That's kind of the math on Austin Matthews when his next deal comes up. You look at what CAA did with uh, the Buffalo Sabres for their player, Owen Power. Makes sense. Leas Pedersen, if you sign a four-year extension, the Vancouver Canucks do, that would also, as Fridge mentioned, bring Pedersen up to the ripe old age of 29. At that stage of the game, and we've had a couple people text in saying, Halford specifically, want to know your thoughts on maybe not going the full eight-year term with Pedersen, given my loathe, loathing in the past for long-term deals. I would have no problem if this thing was a four-year instead of an eight-year. As a matter of fact, I think I would prefer it. A lot of people are saying, what are you, nuts? How could you say that? This guy's the leading scorer in the National Hockey League. He's a fantastic player. He's a Hart Trophy candidate. You lock him up for as long as possible. Conceptually, as a fan, I get that. But conceptually, for what's good for all parties involved, including the health of the league, is to have less of these deals on the books. Less eight-year deals. Less Jonathan Huberdos. And just get him signed, honestly. like, Can you really be nitpicky about the term as a fan? If you can, when you're just you just want well, him here for the next people four are freaking years. out because people want PD to be a Canuck for life, which is still on the table. Signing a four year deal does not negate that, right? Because uh, Matthews did one, and then Matthews mm-hmm. did another one. The opportunity to move and having fewer onerous albatrossian contracts in the league is an important thing. If PD signs a four year deal, a four year extension, assuming he plays through it. That will have kept him in Vancouver for a decade. He will have played 10 years in a Canucks uniform. That's a lot. That's plenty. In the modern sports landscape, having a, a decade-long player is uh, its a rarity. That's a career for most players, 10 years. we You know, eight-year deal, if we start looking at these more and more, having to make these big calculated gambles on guys is not going to be good for the league. I know some of you are like, well, that's how you keep cheap talent. But it's also how you make very costly mistakes. It's not fair to Jonathan Huberto that 16 games into this season, he's being called the worst contract in the NHL. Well, it's kind of his fault. (laughs) He takes a little bit of the blame. (laughs) Right, but that deal probably shouldn't have happened. Right. Even the mechanism to sign him for eight years at that point, and granted there were extenuating circumstances. Um, Johnny Gaudreau in Columbus. Do you think maybe the Blue Jackets and Gaudreau like a do-over on that one? Maybe not Gaudreau because he's getting paid. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.